Good morning. My name is Jimmy. I oversee the youth here, so the middle school and high schoolers. Today we're reading from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's some blue Bibles under your, uh, the seats, and you, that passage can be found on page 559. Starting with the first verse. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you, Jimmy. Happy Easter, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here. I get to preach this Easter message. First of all, just so you know, church is more than production, although I love the band. I love screens with slides and all that, but it's a family. At its core, if you go to the Bible, when it talks about the church, we're a family. We're the family of God. And Easter is sort of one of our big three. We've got Christmas, Good Friday, and Easter. Those are the big three holidays for Christian believers across the world. And we know that we're going to have guests coming, people inviting, and that only happens if people in our church family step up to make this a hospitable environment. So I just want to give a few shout outs. Amy, who was just up here, has done all the work to have a thousand donuts, bounce houses, face painting. So, So give it up for Amy Blackwell, please. Yeah. She is not paid. She's paid in your smile. So she does that all on the side of her life with two little kids running around. So also the band has been here Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and now all day Sunday. They've been doing a great job. So Chandler and the band, they've just been working their tail off. You can give it up for the band too. And then uh, the Cook family looking so sharp. Adam wanted everyone to see a suspender. So I'm just going to give him a shout out. So if you ever thought suspenders and cowboy boots, do they go? Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. See Adam Cook. He looks good. But his family was here setting up kids and all for Good Friday, just behind the scenes, faithfully serving. So this is our church family, and we welcome you because people have stepped up. So I'm just really proud to be a part of this church. It's a sweet place. We're only a little over a year old, but we have a great church family already. And now we get our second Easter on record here, and we get to take Jesus' message, the gospel, and do our best not to mess it up. Like, I feel like Easter is the chance where God lets us simplify. Like, here's the gospel, church. Put it on the tee, bat in hand. All you gotta do is hit that ball right there. All we're gonna do today is talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have one message today. So that's all I wanna do is I wanna unpack the gospel. We're gonna talk about the word, the gospel. You're gonna leave here and know exactly what it means. What's the message behind the gospel? You're gonna leave here and know exactly what the scripture says is the gospel. And lastly, you're gonna leave here with the offer of the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the message? And what is the offer of the gospel? That's what we are doing here this morning. So if you want to, Keep your Bibles open or your app, whatever you had. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to answer this first question together. What is this word? Jimmy just read it, but 1 Corinthians 15, 1 says this. Now I would remind you, brothers, it's included in their sisters, I remind you, church family, 
brothers and sisters in the Lord, I remind you of this. So this is a good chunk of you in this room. I remind you of this, of the gospel that I preached to you. Pause right there. So what is the word gospel? Like I did not grow up in a church family, did not grow up around church words. Gospel is like Jesus. It's like glory. It's one of the most churched words of all time. It's used in a church context, but what does it mean? Is gospel the word that God gave us dropped down from heaven when Jesus was born to describe what he was doing? No, it's just a word. It's a word word. It was there before Jesus. Here's the word. If you want to get fancy, that top is Greek. Evangelion. Gospel. Why are we here last Sunday, this Sunday, Holy Easter Sunday, next Sunday? Why are we going to be here 50 Sundays from now? Because Evangelion, the gospel. But what is that word? It's a historical word. It happened, like I said, before Jesus. One of the first times historically it's seen is on this thing here. Those of you who are history experts, this is uh, the pre-calendar inscription found in Turkey, and it's dated around 9 B.C. And this is an announcement. It's sort of a newspaper headline for Rome, the Roman Empire, for their first emperor, Caesar Augustus. And that little part you can see that's kind of black with a little red says this. This is what's on this inscription from about a decade before Jesus is ever on the scene. The providence that would be Rome, which has ordered the whole of our life, has ordained the most perfect consummation for human life by giving to it Caesar Augustus, by sending in him, as it were, a savior for us and those who come after us to make war to cease, to create order everywhere. This birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the gospel, Evangelion, for the world that came by him. What is the gospel? They're saying the gospel is Caesar Augustus has been sent to this world as a savior to make wars end and to bring order to all things. If we had to summarize, here's sort of what they would say is the gospel. The birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning of the gospel for the word that came by him. Caesar Augustus is about 40 at this time. He's the first Roman Empire, and they're announcing the gospel as the birthday celebration of this man who is our savior, who is our restorer, who is our order bringer, the gospel. Now, fast forward 70, 80 years later, there's a guy writing a book that would later become the gospel of Mark. Mark is a friend of Peter. Peter is best friends with Jesus. Mark gets all this account of Jesus' life from his friend Peter, and he writes an account. How is Mark going to start the gospel of Mark? He's going to start it by taking one huge shot at the Roman Empire right out of the gate. Like a big, let's go, Rome. Let's see who has the gospel right. And this is how Mark writes it. The beginning of the gospel, Evangelion, of Jesus Christ the son of God, Mark, friend of Peter, 80 years after Caesar Augustus' gospel is here. Just put those up next to each other. Almost identical statement of the gospel with one sort of key change, namely the person that is bringing the gospel, whatever that is. Augustus' birthday was the beginning of the gospel for the world that came by him. Mark says, no, 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 the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of of God. One word, gospel, the most important word you would leave here with. What does gospel mean? It simply means this. In both contexts, it's good news. The good news of Caesar Augustus, who will make war cease, bring order to this. Mark says, da, 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 the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. It just means good news. We are here. A lot of us are here because we believe that God has good news 
He's not a God waiting to pounce on us. He is a God who brings good news. Isaiah says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is a good news morning. Brings us to our second question. Well, what is the good news? It means good news in either context. Very different people, very different times, very different religious background. Rome were polytheistic. Jews had one God. They were the first to sort of bring in that idea that there is only one God. Both say, no, I have the gospel. Well, what's the gospel message? Well, if you ask Caesar Augustus and them, Caesar would say, the gospel, the good news is I'm here. I've been sent here as a savior to you and to any that would come after, and I'm going to make war cease, and I'm going to bring order to this Roman Empire, the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Luckily, time proves the validity of any statement. Caesar Augustus died 23 years after that statement, and he stayed in his grave and he's still there, whatever's left of his bones, and you can go visit Caesar Augustus, the bringer of the gospel of Rome, who was supposed to bring order and peace to the Roman Empire, a Roman Empire which has not existed in 1,500 years, on a continent where wars were to cease, a continent that has not seen a single century without war since his proclamation of the gospel. What's the gospel of Caesar Augustus? It sounds good but it does not stand the test of time. Fast forward to Paul now writing after Mark saying, let me unpack this gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul, tell us, please. Let's read together verse three through verse eight. Here is the good news according to Paul, not about Caesar who's dead and gone, but about Jesus Christ who lives and reigns right now. Verse 3, here's what he says. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Meaning, go talk to them. They're out there. Which is why the gospel message spread, because a bunch of people saw a risen Messiah. Though some have fallen asleep, some have passed away. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one too untimely born, that being Paul, he appeared also to me. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? Paul would say this. First, I want to just put a disclaimer on this. This is of first importance, Paul says. Remember what I delivered you, the gospel, which is of first importance, meaning there is no close second. And Easter is just a sweet Sunday because you have your people that, you've got like Jesus followers, people that are doing this thing, following Jesus. You've got Jesus claimers, I'll say, meaning like if you had to pick a religion, if you were to identify, it would be I'm a Jesus person, Christian, whatever box I need to check. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're like taking steps of faith following him at all. But if I had to pick, I'd pick the Jesus camp. You've got Jesus questioners. You've got Jesus dismissers. You've got all these. And Paul would say to every single group, first importance is this, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you're 16, whether you're 75, the gospel message is the most important message in the world. Proverbs says, out of our heart flows the wellspring of life. Meaning we have this center inside of us, all of it. Ecclesiastes says there's this hole inside of us that only eternity can feel. What's at the center of that? Like the sun is the center of our solar system. As it, it's the gravitational center. There's a gravitational center to every single one of us. 
Paul would plead with you, I would plead with you, there is one that can be the gravitational center of your life. And it's of first importance. It's about Jesus. And then he jumps into it. Let me tell you about the gospel. The gospel, the good news is, and here's what Paul does not say. He does not put himself there. And anyone he names, he only names people based off the fact that they've seen the center of the gospel, Jesus Christ. Why? Because the gospel is not advice for us to try to live up to. The gospel news is news about what Jesus has already done. Why is it good news? Because it doesn't depend on me. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done. He calls him Christ. That word means Messiah, anointed one. The best translation for us in our day and age is king. Let me tell you the good news of first importance about the king, the king, the king, who is not you, is not you, is not me. I have a real king. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. Like Super Saturday, Cody Lingelbach's not here. He just had Achilles surgery. If you're friends with him, hopefully he didn't do this. He did it to me. He sent me a picture of the surgery. Cut open. I'm like, dude, give me a heads up before you send me this gnarly picture of your Achilles split open. And then he goes on, sorry, bro. Oh, by the way, pray for this person, this person, this person, this person. I shared the gospel with him as I was getting rolled into surgery. I'm like, dude. And you know how Cody shares the gospel? He has this big, long tattoo on his arm. There's no pictures of Cody. No pictures of his Tesla as much as he loves it. There's no pictures of his Fortnite record as much as he thinks he's great at it. It's like, Jesus did this. 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 That's the gospel. It's completely about Christ and what he has done. That's it. We stand on finished work of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul, what would you say is the gospel? If I had to boil it down, Paul kind of gives us four things, but I think they ultimately end up being two things. He says Christ was killed. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And then he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to many. I think what Paul's saying is he was really killed for your sins. His death was not in vain. He died a purposeful death for your sin. And then he was buried, which is a way to say, and we can prove it because he was actually placed in a grave, a grave that us Jews had no control over. It was a Roman uh, guarded tomb. And all the uh, testimonies that trace back end up on this. Did Jesus really go in a tomb? And did he really appear to people after he was dead in a tomb? And the answer to both is yes, absolutely yes. And here's what I offer. I forgot to offer this the last service, but any of you, like here's part of coming to faith and we see the graciousness of God in this is he knows there's sort of a academic, intellectual, skeptical element of faith. And he knows all the religious leaders out there that tell you, just believe, uh, don't do any investigation. Jesus allowed for investigation. He was placed in a tomb. He appeared to many. So you can investigate Jesus. And time and time again, a lot of times it's lawyers do the investigation and what they find out is like the evidence seems to be overwhelmingly he was buried and he was risen and he appeared to many. But here's the offer. If you want free lunch on me for the next couple months, I would love to walk you through any doubts, any fears, any questions you have because I think this gospel is of first importance. And he proved it. He was buried. He was killed for our sins. And he was raised on the third day. Just take those two things. He died for your sins. Sin is not a word we're going to hear often outside of a church context. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about the holiness of God, the wrath of God, the idea that there might be a hell, a punishment for sin. Let's just kind of set that aside for a second. 
Let's just assume we're all honest enough to admit that we've got a few issues in our life. Call them what you want. I'll talk to your spouse. We'll see how she or he describes them. But they would be shortcomings, failures of some sort. And if you were to start to write them down, you could maybe fill up some stuff. I don't know how many pages you would take, but I'd take a few at least. And here's what we see. And Jesus died for our sins. God in the flesh comes down. Sinner, sinner, sinner. How does he respond to our sin? The gospel says he dies for it. He doesn't die for our resume and our best self. He dies for our worst self, our sin, our lowest moments. And he goes to a grave. Why? For our sin. That's good news. And more than that, he comes out of his own grave. He's placed in a grave three days later on this Easter morning, 2,000 years ago, walks out of his own grave, proving that not even death cannot stop him. The greatest fear all of us have, if we're honest, if we don't want to talk about sin, we don't want to talk about Satan, well, let's talk about death, the most inevitable reality for every single person in this room. And that expiration date exists, and God knows it, and you don't, and I don't know it. And Jesus had an expiration date too, and he went to his own grave and walked out of his own tomb, proving that he is victorious even over death. And that's offered to us by the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. Like it's mind-boggling. This just shows how the human heart works. The fact that people are walking around knowing death is coming. And like, what are you going to do about it? Like, I don't know what you're afraid of. I'm deathly afraid of lizards. Like not the crazy gnarly lizards. I just hiked this mountain. I saw iguana. I was like, like little lizards that pop out of every little nook and cranny in my house. I'm deadly afraid of snakes, especially rattlesnakes. Like I just know that's how I'm going to go one day. And I'm kind of afraid of bears. Like, you're like, eh, because I hunt, and more recently, me and my dad have been hunting this area where we see bear sign everywhere, bear prints, bear poop. It's like, okay, bears are here. All right, what are we going to do about this? So I go, and I'm reading this hunting magazine about bear attacks. It's like, how do you survive a bear attack? Uh, let's, uh, summary statement, you don't. <laughs> you especially don't if what me and my dad were using, he has a Glock, so we have a handgun, so like a bear's going to come at us, and they say, everyone thinks they're going to like John Wayne it and be able to end a bear's life as he's coming. It doesn't happen. 10 out of 10 people that try to kill a bear with a gun do not kill that bear, and a lot of times they're dead. Like the best thing to do is use bear spray. So we get bear spray, it's like this mace, but still, good chance you're going to die. <laughs> like the resurrection is pointing us to the ultimate reality we all have death. And we're all walking around like, what's our answer for that? Like what's the thing that's going to keep me from fearing death? Keep me from actually looking forward to death? It's if I don't have an answer for it. And Jesus was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that same spirit that rose him from the grave is in you if your faith is in Jesus. That's the gospel. That's good news. Your sin is forgiven. And your death is not that big a deal. You will sleep and you will open your eyes with him who loves you. That is good news. That's the message of the gospel. He died for your sins and he was raised according to the scriptures. That is news. It's not advice. There's nothing to do with that on your part. I just want you to know what Jesus did. That's the gospel. Now, what is the offer of the gospel according to Paul? Let's look at chapter 15, verse 1, and we'll end our time here. What is the offer for anyone in this room? Paul says this, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, the good news that I preached to you, which you received. Pause right there. Here's the first offer of the gospel is you can receive it. 
if you fast forward verse 3, Paul says, I delivered you as first importance what I also received. The gospel, the good news of what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ is a gift that can be received by anyone. The, Corinth, the church at Corinth was a mess. If you want to have some good reading later on, flip back a little bit, and it describes the sexual perversion in this church. He's like, I haven't seen anything like this, even in Rome. You guys are disgusting, but you received this gospel. And then Paul, he says, and I also received it. Who was Paul? If you're not familiar with the Bible, he is like the king of the Bible. He wrote a lot of New Testament, but before he was Paul that wrote the Bible, he was Paul who killed Christians. A lot of them. Like I just read this news story in South Carolina. This guy gets to choose between electric chair or firing squad. I'm like, what? Are we in the Middle Ages again? This is gnarly. I'm just like taken back by that. That, okay, that's an option. But here... Take it back to Paul's context. Paul was the guy that organized, designed, planned the execution of people for one sin in his mind, trying to tell people about Jesus. And he killed person after person after person. And now he's writing this letter and he says, but I received this gospel when it was presented to me by Jesus Christ himself. Have you received the gospel? Receive, that's all. There's nothing to aspire to. There's nothing to prove. It's just open up your hands like a kid on Christmas and receive by faith, God, I, f I receive it. Your finished work of what Jesus has done. But more than that, when people talk about Jesus and what he offers, like it's, it gets way too forward focused real quick. Like, well, you get to go to heaven, not to the other place. Yeah. But in this passage, Paul only talks about right here and now what you also receive if you receive the gospel. The next thing he says is, in which you stand. Paul says, if you receive the gospel, you will have a foundation to stand on, maybe for the first time in your life. That word stand is perfect in the Greek, meaning it starts now and it has no end. Once you receive Jesus, you get to stand and nothing can change that. Satan, sin, death, your sin, your mess ups, whatever issues you bring to it, nothing can change the fact that you are now standing on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's my story. I was a knucklehead kid trying to build my life on what knucklehead kids build their life on, relationships, promiscuity, whatever it is. And I heard the gospel out of camp that, oh, there's a better foundation than the wobbly one I'm standing on right now as an 18-year-old. And I received the gospel, and I've been standing on it ever since, not because I'm so sturdy, but because the ground is so firm when the gospel is your foundation. And then finally, Paul says this, not only do you have a place to stand, Verse 2, also, here's what the gospel offers you. By which you are being saved, if you hold fast to this good news. You can receive it. Anyone can receive it, and you get to stand on it. And God's going to do something starting now. He's going to save you, heal you, rescue you, fix you. You are not a project that he's left to yourself. He is coming after you to change everything about you that you hate about yourself, that others hate about you, that God does not like in you. And he's going to make you into the person that he designed you to be. Why? Because you have the gospel as your finished foundation. He will save you, period. That's what Christ does. Because I'm preparing for Holy Week. I'm reading all this stuff on Jesus. And it's been great. A lot of information. But Good Friday, we had a service here. And it just like hit me like, oh, gosh, like I hadn't been hit. What's different about Jesus? And we're singing the song, There is a Fountain Filled with Love Drawn from Emmanuel's Veins. Such a great song. And towards the end, it says, Redeeming love has been my plea and shall be till I die. And I just like, oh. 
Because I think about me, I'm like, that's not how I would describe my love towards people. Even my wife, who's at the top of my list. Like, at best, I'm consistent, I'm faithful. I'm kind of funny sometimes. I, I do my best to love well. But my love is not this redeeming love that takes people. Any person, from any background, from any story, from any hurt, from any pain, from any hole you're in or you've dug yourself into, takes you and redeems you starting now and will complete the job. That is the gospel. It's good news of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection, and it's offered to us this Easter and as many Easter's as Jesus gives us. Have you received the gospel of Jesus Christ? If not, I'd tell you you're standing on ground that is not firm. Caesar Augustus preached a great gospel, and he went into a very real grave. Have you received the gospel of Jesus Christ? He loves you. He wants to restore and redeem you and give you a foundation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your redeeming love. Thank you for the gospel that is as simple as it sounds, that it's good news, and it's good news not about what we've done, or what we might do or we haven't done. It's good news about what Jesus has already done in his death for our sin and his resurrection to overcome death. God, thank you. As a church, we never want to stray from the gospel. We never want to add or take away. So God, help us to cling, like Paul says, hold fast to this gospel that is preached. Hold fast to the news of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.